Well, you guys ready to get in the word this morning? We want to get in the word of God, and I believe that answers will come for your life today as you're built up in the word of God, built up and equipped to tell people about Jesus. What's so important about being built up and equipped to tell people about Jesus is you can't be a witness unless you know. The stronger you walk in your walk with the Lord, the more you're going to be able to express that to others. So in other words, God is here today to give and deposit things to you. He wants you to walk in them so that now you can go out and just spill off on everybody else out of that overflow. Amen? Amen. Well, turn in your Bibles, John chapter 3, verse 16. Had no idea when I was this little guy that I would someday be standing in a pulpit preaching the word of God. And for a lot of years, decades now, my revelation of this is growing. As a matter of fact, it's growing right now as I'm standing before you. I love this verse. For God so loved the world. It's amazing that the God of all creation who created everything and created man and actually deposited in man something from himself. He he breathed his spirit into Adam. And then Adam chose to go his own way, to rebel against God. And he took the creation of God and literally caused it to be given over to Satan And ruined the whole thing. But this didn't move God at all. It still says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He's like, the only way that I can save man now is I have to give my son. It's going to take a perfect sacrifice He's going to have to come to the earth and he's going to have to be perfect, not born of the seed of man. He has to be born of the seed of God, but he's got to be human because he has to be the perfect, sinless sacrifice because the wages of sin that man has chosen has produced spiritual death and ultimately eternal death in their life. So the only way out is I've got to send my son to die for them. And Jesus literally lived on this earth to show us the Father and then died. That Roman soldier didn't nail him to a cross. Tony Finley did. So did you. All of our sin was condemned in his body. And he literally paid the once and for all price for it. Think about that. So now here we are in the earth because of sin. Now we've got sickness and disease. All of these things going on in the earth. And the Bible says that Jesus literally bore all of our sickness, all of our disease, all of our pain in his body on that cross. He had to be the perfect sinless sacrifice to do that not only that because of God's initial creation God created everything everything God created the garden of Eden was supposed to literally expand all over the whole earth 
more than enough provision for man. He already provided, it's the way God always does it. He provides everything and then he places man in there. But because of sin, the curse of the law came into the earth. And now you've got poverty, you've got lack. We don't see the level of it here. But you know, even in our own city, do you know how many children are going to sleep hungry in our own city? That should stir us as the body of Christ because, see, we as Christians can tap into the unlimited resources of heaven and the unlimited wisdom of God to reach that and change that. But the poverty and lack, the Bible says on the cross, this perfect sin sacrifice, he literally was made poor so that we through his poverty might be made rich once again, come into a full and overflowing supply. I love that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then here's the thing. It's so simple. Then he says, whosoever, this means anyone, whosoever believes in him should not perish. But God says, but they will have everlasting life. And that Greek word life is the word zoe, which means the very essence and quality of life that God has. How do I get the life of God? Because Now I'm dead in my trespasses and sins. All I have to do is believe. Right? This word believing is interesting. It means to have faith in. So in other words, it denotes action. So see, faith without corresponding action is dead. So I must believe, which means I must not only believe from the sense of going, okay, I know this is true, but I believe it in a sense to act on it. I have faith in this. I know I'm saved. I know my life is tucked away with Christ in God. I know that he's my inaccessible place of refuge. I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And because of that, I don't have to fear any evil. Because my eternal life doesn't start when I get to heaven. See, if you live for yourself, you won't understand what you have. But if you get your eyes off yourself and on him, if you'll but believe him and go, you know what, I know I'm not happy with all of my circumstances, but you know what, but God... He has made promises to me. He said that I could have right now eternally the very life and essence and quality of life that he has, which will change all of these circumstances. Jesus was born and, and humanity was changed forever. That's what Christmas is all about. It's not just about a baby in a manger. It's surely not about Santa Claus, Right? I mean, it's about giving. It's about how God gave. And if you'll receive that gift, it'll change your life. And you could sit there and go, well, no, I've received it. I'm a Christian. No, I mean, receive the gift. Every part of it. Because in that gift is healing. In that gift is forgiveness. It's, it's restoration. It's deliverance out of the mess you've created. It's newness of life. It's all things become new right now. 
I love that. God's intent was to end religion and restore relationship. God hates religion. He hates it. Because it's not about him, it's about man. It's about me, what I'm doing, and me. Think about the religious leaders of Jesus' day. They actually knew he was the Messiah, but they're like, we're not going to let him have center stage. We want center stage. That's what religion does. Religion says, I'm the pastor, and you're below me, and you better do what I say. God says, no, no, follow me as I'm following Christ. We're all in this deal together. That's, that's God, right? He opened the door for all mankind, in other words, to live heaven on the earth. See, our job is not to wait and just, just suffer through this, get through this so that we can go to heaven. No, our job until we go to heaven is to bring heaven to this earth. I'm to bring the healing power of God into people on this earth. I'm to bring the prosperity of God into this earth. I'm to show the love of God, the joy of God, and the peace of God. I'm to literally give people a picture in my life and in the lives of all that I touch of what it's like. Jesus came to bring heaven to this earth. You and I are here to bring heaven to this earth. Isn't that exciting? Jesus Christ, as we know, his life did not begin when he was born in a manger. He didn't, he didn't come out of humanity. He literally was born into humanity, but he, create, he, was, he was alive before. Right In John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I pray that you have ears to hear this morning. He is the very living Word of God. His words are life, and that they will breathe life into every arena of your life that you allow them in. Right? It's so important. You know, if we look at... at, at, at at, at low-level counseling where we tell people what they should do. Hey, you should do this or you should do that, you know, because God can change anybody. But that's not really Bible. Do you know that God can't change you, even as his child? He won't humble you. He won't change you. We have a part to play. Now, he has provided a way, all the power, all the strength, everything is there for you to change, but you have to decide and do it. Bible never says God will humble you. Religion says God will humble you. The Bible says you have to humble yourself. Right? The Bible says you change yourself. How? By the renewing of your mind, you present your body a living, holy sacrifice, and you renew your mind through meditating in the word. Now, that's hard for us as, as American Christians because we, we, we're Americans. You know, when I get off the plane and go to Israel, man, this is, 
wherever I go is where I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm an American, so this is my deal. That doesn't work with God, right? Because our life is really not about us. It's all about him. As a matter of fact, we're not created to live for us. We're created to live in fellowship, intimate fellowship with him. That's how the Trinity lives. If you look at, look at all the angels of God, look at how heaven works, those pictures we see of heaven, it, it works in perfect balance together. And that's the way you're going to see it in the earth as the body of Christ comes together. It's really amazing in America, an American Christian will get up in the morning and decide if he wants to go to church. That is so far away from the norm of, of life, but we've dumbed down. I remember when we moved to Decatur, Illinois, I was 15 years old, and uh, I was playing basketball in this park. There were, I was just the only one, and I was just shooting around and everything, and, and then some guys came down, and I was playing basketball with them, and I realized real quick, you know, I'm not going to get any better if I'm playing with these guys that are, that are no good. So I remember I hopped on my bicycle, and I was riding, and all of a sudden I was getting to, you know, an area that, that really wasn't real safe looking, and all of a sudden I saw this park, and it was surrounded by these, like, apartments that looked, you know, a couple of them were burnt out, and, and there were some interesting things going on all around, and there was a bunch of guys playing basketball. And so I just, I remember I stopped the bicycle and I'm like looking at these guys. And they weren't going in for layups, man. They were going in and just throwing it down, you know. And I'm like, wow. And I had this thought as a 15-year-old, you know, if I want to get better, I need to play with these guys. Because I'm, I'm sitting here looking at them and going, this is a much higher level right? This is where the church is at right now. Guys, we're like, we're not seeing it correctly, but here I'm here to tell you the word of God will show it to you correctly. God has life and he wants to literally come in and invade your life with Jesus Christ and, and cause you to see the gifts that he's placed within you, the abilities the anointings, the potential that, that is in you that has to be drawn out. I remember playing basketball in these parks. First of all, it took me about three weeks before they would even let me play. I'd get in, I'd put my name on a list. It was four on four, full court. Go to 11 by ones, win by two, winner stays on. And, and literally, even when it was my turn, I'd go and I'd ask people, hey, you want to be on my team? No. It would be my turn to play, and they're like, no, you don't, you don't play here. Right? I was not accepted in this group yet. But I finally got accepted in the group. And then I got to play. Wow. I'd go up for my beautiful jump shot. Bam! All of a sudden, they're just, I mean, I, they would block my shot so directly and then everybody would laugh and I'd go home and I'd think wow that was not fun <laughs> then I would go back 
the next day and the next day. I think they were putting up with this little white boy that was uh, just trying. And then I remember in that summer, we went to, we went back to Chicago to visit my relatives. And we were at a park playing basketball. And I'm like dominating because this guy that I'm guarding is not 6'7", 6'8", and he doesn't have a 42-inch vertical jump. Right? He's Darren Wozniak. He was a swimmer. He's a, he's a big Polish kid, my best friend. Can't jump. Right? It's fun. I'm just, I'm rejecting stuff. I'm, I'm just, I'm having a blast. Then I go back, go back to the park. Wow. Right? Winter comes, I'm at the YMCA in Decatur. You get 150 teenagers and men sweating in a, in, a, in a YMCA around a basketball court. It really, I mean, all the women are going. But that's where I learned. But here's the thing, guys. Do you realize right now, because God so loved the world that he gave Jesus, and then when Jesus went back to heaven, He said, I'm going to go to the Father, but he's going to send you the Holy Spirit. So now do you realize that you've got the trainer who's at the highest level that will put you in an environment of the highest level so that you can develop into who you are? I remember working out, man. I remember the time that I go up to around the L.A. area to this gym where a lot of the bodybuilders would work out in the 80s. And I remember thinking, man, I've seen some guys work out until I went and watched, you know, the Arnold Schwarzeneggers and the Lou Ferrignos and all these guys work out. And I remember I got a membership at this gym and I kind of, you know, people always liked me. So I'd get to be friends and I'm like, hey, can you let me know when they work out so I'd come up here? Because I would just literally have a notebook act like I'm working out, but I'm just taking notes. But I saw a level of intensity. Then I remember when I walked in in the corporate world and I walked into the Bears training camp in the 80s to their weight room. And you see this guy, you know, you see this guy who's, who's massive and he's, 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 putting, he's got 245 plates on each, on each bar and it's 225 pounds but he does it 30 times. And you're like, are you kidding me, right? And you just see a different level. But what it does, it kind of causes some things to stir in you. This is what happens. This is, how you, this is how you grow spiritually. The Holy Spirit will start showing you some things in him. He'll start showing you who you are and he'll raise you up to a different level. And pretty soon, you're operating at that level. But what's so cool, it's a rest. Because it's all him, but it's him and you. It's really wonderful. But it all comes back to this. Guys, this Jesus that we serve, he's the creator of the universe. John 1.3 says, all things were made by him. And when, without him was not anything made that was made. So the baby, now this is the way God does it. So the baby in a manger, he's laying in a manger on a planet that he made. I love that. See, we want it now, but God goes, nope, 
I've got a plan. He'll, he'll say to you, you'll want it right now. God, listen, come on, I'm ready. I want a church that impacts the world. We want thousands and thousands of people to get saved in Omaha, plant hundreds of churches going all over the world. Come on, we're ready. Let's do it right now. And he's like, hold on. Hold on, little one. Let's, you, you need to know me a little more here in this area. But if you'll just employ the plan day by day, God will move you up. But see, this is what happens. Your flesh will make you think, no, 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 God, come on. I know. Do you know how many Christians live their life like they know more than God? And they're going to stand before God one day and go, wow, that was, that was really not, not very smart. Because if you think you know more about God, you, and, and, and you'd say, well, I would never do that. Oh, wait, time out. Just look at your life. Are you living for him or are you living for you? Because if you're living for you, you must know more than him. And the bad thing, Satan loves that, because when everything's going good, you're like, man, I'm, I'm really doing good. But, you know, we're in life. And you'll get to a position where all of a sudden you can't do something. And you'll think, oh, shoot, there is no way out. I really messed this up, and I, there's no way out for me. And God's like, no, 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 no. No, I've got about a million ways out of this. So just relax. Because, Tony, here, I know you're awesome. But, but I can see, see, you've just completely walled yourself in here and checkmated yourself. But I'm God. And see, I can make a way right there where there is no way. I can open this door that you slam shut and no man will be able to close it. See, God has an unlimited life for you. The Bible says in Colossians 1.16, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth. And now this is where we go tilt a little bit. Everything in heaven and in earth was created, both visible, okay, we could wrap our little brains around that one, but also invisible. Time out, what, what? Invisible. Yeah, oh yeah. Everything in heaven, the invisible, everything on the earth, the invisible, he created it too. Whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things were created by him and for him. So then Jesus comes to this earth. Could you imagine heaven when the Son of God stood up and he's walking and he's going, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to take, I'm going to seize hold of flesh and I'm going to become flesh. Could you imagine all the angels of God, all of the heavenly hosts were going, he's doing what? And the Bible says he came into the world as the incarnate word. The word incarnate means he was the word of God clothed in flesh. That's Jesus. Laying in a manger. It was literally the word that created everything. All the power clothed in flesh. Wow. Do you know you have the Spirit of God in you right now? 
but you're clothed in flesh. So that's why you got to believe what you are and who you are and not go by what you see. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. These shepherds watched the flocks at night. They watched them from what was called the tower of the flock. And it's spoken of in Micah chapter 4, verse 8. They could put this on the screen for you. Micah 4, 8, it says, And thou, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee shall it come, even the first dominion, the kingdom shall come to the daughter of Jerusalem. These shepherds, watching over the flocks from the tower of the flock, they were temple pre or they were priests, and they were watching over. Who were the sheep? They were going to be the sacrificial lambs that would be slain, right? You've heard me say this before. They would be used in the sacrifices in Jerusalem. But, you know, they couldn't have any spot or blemish. So you talk about this is shepherding on a higher level. Because they couldn't have, any, if there was a spot, if there was a blemish, couldn't be sacrificed. Could you imagine if a sheep was smart? Man, I'd be rubbing up against stuff all day. Because I, I want to be pet Tony, right? I don't want to be... So now Luke chapter 2, verse 9. It says this, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, and I love this, which is Christ the Lord. So we're starting to build the New Testament name of Jesus. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 12. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So these shepherd priests, they would wrap baby lambs in swaddling clothes. Why? To keep them from falling and marking themselves. So, I mean, think about it. You got these little mangers and you got these little baby lambs wrapped up in a swaddling clothing when, the, when, they're, when they're sleeping so that they don't fall or when, they're, when they can't be around them so to protect them because they're, they're being grown to be a sacrifice. Jesus was in one of these caves. So you got... Lamb in swaddling clothes, lamb, 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 the real lamb, right? Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. Now think about this. The angel of the Lord comes upon these shepherds. The glory of the Lord shines round about them, one angel, and they're freaked out. But now, literally, he starts speaking. And just the way, whenever you start speaking about God, it starts increasing. Even when the angel starts speaking, it starts increasing. And before long, and suddenly, with the angel was a multitude. See, when you go into battle and you start saying the word of God, it'll start increasing. 
And pretty soon, man, there's power and it's building, but Satan's going to go, don't look, no, no, look at the circumstance, look at what's happening in your body. But if you'll just keep peering at Jesus, I'm telling you, it, it's like nuclear explosions going off on the inside of you. This is what's happening in the natural, but this happens to you and I all the time. And suddenly there was an angel, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. See, this news in verse 12 or verse 9 and 10 was so awesome that the angels of God, they couldn't stay silent. This is why watch as this awakening and this revival breaks out. Worship is not going to look like this because this is my personality. No, this is a person who doesn't know who God is and doesn't know who they are in him. Does not know what God has done. No, the pastor, that's just too hard because this is my personality. No, this is your personality that's been twisted by the enemy. Because worship is an expression of this good news. See, I'm so excited because worship's going to grow. This is going to be at the forefront. Where you just can't be silent. When you know that you're free, you can't stay silent. I mean, how many of you, in your past, you would say, man, I was bound. I got I to gotta, I gotta do this. And how many of you know today you're free? Man, it's so awesome. It says, and suddenly there was an angel with an angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. I like, I like what Matthew's account, in Matthew one twenty three it says this, Matthew one twenty three, behold a virgin, literally in the Greek, behold the virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us, in the literal Greek, God with us in a new way. In Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, it says this, Therefore the Lord himself, the Lord himself, I love the way it's worded, shall give you a sign. Now think about that. The Lord himself, Jesus is giving you a sign of him being born. Behold the virgin. It's, it's literally, it's the word halma. The virgin, the only one ever, shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This was prophesied 800 years before Jesus was born. Only 800 years. Wow. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. I love the way that's translated. It would be called the Hero God. The Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Of the increase of his government and his peace, there shall be no end. 
upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with just judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. In other words, God says, this I am motivated. Nothing is stopping me from doing this. There's not always going to be a Democratic and a Republican party. The kingdom of God is going to take over the, the, the whole world, the universe. John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word was made flesh. In the literal Greek, and the word took upon himself flesh and dwelt among us and be beheld his glory. This word glory means we beheld his goodness, we beheld his power, and we beheld his presence. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Can you sense the anointing of God washing over you as we're just reading these verses that you've heard numerous times? Why? Behold, I make all things new. Guys, there's going to be a healing revival that breaks out. In the old healing revival back in the 1940s, it broke out instantly. It was very short and it stopped instantly. But man, it was the easiest thing in the world for people to get healed. But this one will transcend anything that we've ever seen before. So prepare your hearts because you will be laying hands on the sick and they will be miraculously being healed. Could you imagine you walk into a restaurant minding your own business and every table you walk by gets healed and people are just like, what's going on? And you're just like, oh, that's Jesus. He just healed you. I think that'll be better on, you know, church growth. The church growth books, nobody will buy them anymore. Right? Because it's like, no, it's, it's, it's really easy. Signs, wonders, miracles right it says in verse 21 of matthew 1 it says and she mary shall bring forth a son and shall call his name jesus for he shall save his people from their sins in john chapter 1 and verse 29 so think about this here is jesus now we're celebrating him being born but now he's 30 years old and he's coming down the road and here's this chocolate-loving John the Baptist, right? We know John loved chocolate because he ate locusts and wild honey. We read that and think locust. Oh, he ate bugs. That's weird. No, no. No, it was, it was, they was used to make chocolate. So he had a real sweet tooth. All the women are going, yes. Right? So here's Jesus. He's coming. And John, by the Spirit of God sees Jesus coming to him. He's having a deja moment and he doesn't even know it. The last time he was around Jesus is when he was in his mother's womb. And all of a sudden Mary, with Jesus in his mother's womb, comes up to Elizabeth and John starts moving. So here he is later on. Now John's 30 years old. Jesus is 30. John's down there baptizing people, right? And all of a sudden he's like, whoa, hold on. And he looks up and he sees this guy. And again, he's being stirred. And he's like, what? Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. 
That statement used to just be a Bible story. But he took away my sin. Everything that can produce death in my life was removed. And now when the enemy comes against me illegally, he has to leave. Because Jesus took away my sin. He removed it. Wow. So we've been talking about this name, New Testament name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord is the name of his deity. It denotes ownership. When I say, Jesus, you are my Lord, I am saying, Jesus, you are the one who owns me. I don't own, oh, you know, if, if sickness attacks my body, hey, Jesus, I receive your healing in my body. Oh, excuse me. I receive my healing in your body because my body belongs to him. My spirit, my soul belongs to him. Jesus is the name of his humanity. It literally means savior. He's not only my Lord, but he's got, see, in order for him to be my Lord or to be my savior, he's got to be my Lord. There's a lot of people that want him to be savior because, hey, I don't want to go to hell, but I sure want to live my own life. I, I don't know how you work that out. I've studied the word a lot. I, that's like oil and water. They don't mix. They don't mix. So, right? Then you got the word Christ. That's the name of his office. The Greek word Christ means the anointed one, and it denotes in his anointing. The Hebrew word for Christ is the word Messiah. It means the anointed one. That baby in a manger is Lord. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. Right? He's the anointed one. Jesus came. He didn't come for himself. In the same way now, you and I are no longer here for ourselves. We're here to walk with him so that we can show the world Jesus. He was here to declare and show the world the Father. We're here to show the world Jesus. So we can't give him religion because Jesus is not religious. We can't give him, we can't just give him all this nonsense. Well, you know, you never know what God's going to do. No, no, he's Jesus. He always tells you what he's going to do, right? 300 and what? 33 different prophecies of his birth and his life, his crucifixion and his resurrection, all completely fulfilled. Mathematical impossibility. But guys, there's over 600 prophecies of his second coming. I mean, specific John chapter 1, verse 18 says, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. This word declared means he hath drawn him out of the, uh, the shadows of the unknown and he revealed him to the people. Could you imagine Jesus walking around calling God his father. 
We take that for granted, but that is like, are you kidding me? They were not even allowed to say the word God, right? Why am I saying all this to you? Well, because he stirred me to. But, but really, the purpose of this is getting you to realize who he is. He's worthy to be number one in your life. He's worthy. See, so many Christians have never made the decision to ever hear the word. And they sit in churches and they hear scripture, but they never hear them. Because they've never made the decision that I understand the reality of what I'm hearing. And the reality is this. It's unchangeable. It's, the word of God is not subject to change. Which when he says he's forgiven you, that's not subject to change. It doesn't matter what you've done. Right? When he says he loves you, when he says he'll never leave you, that's not ever subject to change. You might feel like you're alone. You might feel like he's left you because of your disobedience or whatever, but he, no. I have to, I've made a decision that if his word says it, the reality of it is it's unchangeable. It's not subject to change. And that's really good when you learn that stuff because if you ever get attacked or you have a situation in your life that doesn't look like what the word says your life should look like, realize that situation's going to have to bow to what God says. But it comes with responsibility. And it, and it, and it really will press your flesh. Because now if you're a child of God and he is your Lord, then he is number one. So that'll, that'll rock your flesh a little bit, right? I don't get up and go, I don't have time to be in the word. No, he's my life. He's my Lord. Does that make sense? And here's the cool thing. Anything with him will only produce life. Everything with him produces life, right? Colossians 1.15, talking about Jesus, it says, who is the image of, of the invisible God. In other words, Jesus is the visible form of the invisible God. And he's the firstborn of every creature. I love that. In the Gospels, before Jesus goes to the cross, he's the only begotten Son of God. He comes out of the cross, and now he's the firstborn of every creature. Wow. Guess what number that makes you? Well, according to the Bible, you're the firstborn too because you were risen in him. When, when he came out of the grave, you came out of the grave. That's why God, God, the word even tells you that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Wow. You can't really separate you from Jesus because you were created in him. The Bible even goes on to say you, were one, you are one spirit with him. Wow, what, time out, one? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I don't understand that. Yeah, I have a very little bit of understanding on that one and it just excites me and I'm looking forward to the next five million years that I'll be able to grow in that revelation. Check this out, Hebrews chapter one in verse one. God who at sundry times, that means in various times, and in diverse manners, in many different manners, or many different ways, 
spoken times past unto the fathers by the prophets. So in other words, in the Old Testament, God spoke to man through his prophets only. Okay? Many different ways, but he spoke to man through his prophets. But look at what it says. Hath in these last days, that means from the time Jesus came out of the grave, that started the last days. Now, we are in the last days, but according to 2 Timothy chapter 3, we are in the final of the last days. The final days. Who hath um, spoken unto us by his Son in these last days, whom he appointed heir of all things. So now Jesus is the one speaking to us. Well, no, I thought you said the Holy Spirit is the one who leads us. Yeah, but who does the Holy Spirit always testify of? Jesus. So in other words, God leads you. It's Jesus speaking to you. In these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. Isn't that good? It's good news. Whom he appointed heir of all things. So Jesus is heir of how many things according to the word of God? All things. Okay? So now let's keep reading. By whom he also made the worlds, right? He's the creator of everything. So now we see not only did he create the planet, but he created everything seen and unseen in heaven, seen and unseen in the earth. But now the word of God adds everything. The worlds. The whole universe. Verse 3. Who talking about Jesus, being the brightness of his glory. Jesus is the brightness of the glory of the Father. And the express image, this was a Greek masculine noun that means character. It means the exact representation. Jesus was the exact representation of the Father. In other words, that's why he told Philip, if you've seen me, you have actually seen the Father. The exact express image of his person. And look at this, upholding all things by the word of his power, showing that God's power is in his word. In other words, his word is his power in action. So when you say, by his stripes I'm healed, he sent his word and healed me, that's where all the power is, and it puts it right next to upholding all things. So it tells you that God, Jesus, is the creator of the universe, and his word is what holds the universe in balance. I wonder if he could affect the cells of your body. A joint, your lungs, your liver, your kidneys, whatever, right? It says, when he had himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. In other words, God's word is final authority. And then he came that I could know the Father. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 through verse 7 is beautiful. Galatians 4, 4 says this, but when the fullness of time was come, in other words, Jesus came at the perfect time. 
God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Now, this is a little vague because we think of adoption as a, guy, a man and a woman adopting a child and then giving them their name. But this adoption, no, no, you're born into this. So make no, you're not an adopted son. You are born again. You are an actual son. Our, our Western mind doesn't understand the Eastern thinking. Adoption, they, they're, when their kids would come to full age, there were terms used of adoption, but what that meant is they were coming to a full age. Didn't mean that they were from another family. Right, I was adopted by my stepdad. But what is my lineage now that I've been born again? God, me. That's your lineage. Realize that when you go to the doctor and they ask you, hey, does anybody in your family history have this or that? It's your natural family, but what is the telltale sign with everything? Even the curse of the law, it talks about sicknesses and diseases that would be passed down through, through generations. That's not you anymore because God, guess what? God's never had cancer. He's never had diabetes. He's never had anything. And you're born of him, right? It says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Now check this out. I'm going to close with this. And because you are sons, God hath sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. In other words, it, that word Abba means daddy. Now, now you have the spirit of God in you so that you know he's your daddy. It's intimate. Wherefore, Thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if you're a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So Christ is the heir of all things, and you are an heir of Christ. Romans 8.17 says this, And if children, then heirs... Heirs of God, and it goes even one step further, and joint heirs of Jesus Christ. You're a joint heir of all things. Wow. That's why the Bible says things like, I've given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. This is why the word has to say, I've blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That's who we are right now. So we need not fear the world system or anything in it, including viruses or sickness or disease. We are never to fear people because we have God. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he's with me. I abide Literally, Old Testament, I'm abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. 
Let's look at that under New Testament truth and let's talk about the reality. I'm not only just abiding under the shadow, I'm abiding in the Almighty. That's why a thousand will fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it won't come near me. The pestilence won't come near me. See, but see, this is the thing. We receive everything through faith, so you got to believe it. And you have to act on it. And that's why we teach these things, right? 1 John 3.8 says this, For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Have you ever had some of the works of the devil on your life? Do you realize that anything that you're having on your life right now, do you realize it's already been destroyed? And you have a right in the name of Jesus to get that out of your life because it's illegal. He, has no, he, he's, he, can't, he can't legally do that. He's got to let you, because you're the one with authority, he's got to, let, he's got to get you to believe it, believe that it's yours, and for you to keep it in order for him to keep it on you. Because you're the only one with authority. He doesn't have the authority. He works as an outlaw. This word destroy is real interesting. It means to loose. It means to release. It means to put an end to. To put off. To release from being bound. To untie. To loosen any person tied. It literally means to dissolve. All the works of the enemy have been dissolved off your life. Wow. I love that. That's why he said in John 10.10, listen, this thief, he's out there. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus is like, I'm come. That you might have the very quality and essence of eternal life that I have that the Father has. That's who you are today. So as you celebrate Christmas, I want to challenge you as well as encourage you. Don't live with him not number one in every arena of your life. Don't live your life and miss who you are. Because as you get to know who he is, that's when you get to know who you are. Don't, don't try to work on yourself and overcome these little sin habits that you have, right? This whole thing about, you know, years ago there was a show, I think it was, was it Sanford and Son? His son would always say, the devil made me do it. The devil doesn't make us do anything. He just entices our flesh and we choose. But why do we choose sin? You know, we live, in a, we live in a world right now where, I mean, literally, literally, for a Christian, it's like, well, I want to go to a bar tonight, pick up a lady and go sleep with her. I want to I do that. What's wrong with that? I want to live just like the world. Why does a Christian want to do that? Because they don't know who they are. Because holiness comes out of righteousness. So if you don't know you're righteous, knock yourself out trying to straighten out your life. Oh, well, I'm with this girl and I love her. That's why we have sex before marriage. Okay, it's your decision. It's never going to produce life. 
yeah, but you don't understand. This is what I want to do. Okay. But it'll never produce life. Oh, pastor, you got to pray for me. You got to call me every day. You have to encourage me every day. You know, I couldn't do that, but it would do no good. Because until you make a decision that this is actually true. Because see, when you come up to me and go, pastor, come on. Oh, I thank you. I just feel so good. Great. Great. You're just sensing the anointing that's on me, which is from him. But the problem is you got to go into your own life and now you don't really believe it. So you'll have to, you'll, you'll need me this afternoon. I mean, I have a friend who's a pastor. I, I'm just like, okay, dude, how big is your church? Because I've never heard of so many people dying and you sitting in all this. I mean, his life is a disaster because he's just being pulled and I got to go and I, I, have, I can't be with my church. I got to minister over here every other Wednesday night because of this. And, and they don't even respect him. And then I, I spend all of my time with the eight people in, in the church that I'm pastoring who have no, they will not change. They don't want to change. They just want to come vomit on me every day. It doesn't work that way. I could minister to you. I could equip you. Only if you have ears to hear. You're a child of God. You have to learn how to stand on yourself. Now, do you need a pastor? Do, you need, do we need each other? Absolutely. God uses us to encourage. I was just with my brother Jim yesterday, and he was encouraging me, speaking into my life. And I would, I would bet that I probably spoke into your life too. Have you noticed that? But our foundation is I receive from God because I'm his. So yeah, people, we need to be built up. We need to be encouraged. It's great. I love laying hands on people and praying for you. But I got to tell you, it's what you're going to do that's going to get you over. Right? I'm telling you, the healing anointing could manifest and God could heal your body today and Satan will put it right back on you if you don't believe it. So, you know, I, you're never going to hear me. Hey, all you people watching online, you better come to Omaha, Nebraska. You got to come to Faith Family Church so that you can receive what we have here. Oh, baloney. Freely we've received, freely we give. This is not anything. No, no, this is God doing it. And it all started with that baby in a manger who not, didn't set you free. He made you free. And now he will come and he'll literally, he won't get down on you. He won't beat you up. He won't, he won't come and say, come on, I, you know, why won't you believe me? He, he doesn't get upset. He'll meet you right where you are. He'll look you in the eye and he'll say, it's going to be okay. You can believe me. And he'll, he'll woo you. He's not a cowboy. He's a shepherd. Satan will drive you, but he will woo you to believe him. And his whole thing, all the epistles were written so that you and I would know what we've already been given, who we already are in him. Amen.